Something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear Welcome on back, everybody, to The Founding Pothers. I'm Mr. Leesman. And I'm Mr. King. And instead of like a, a typical ad, what we'll do today, uh, rather than being funny, is, uh, I mean, we've asked you to follow our social media and whatnot, but yeah. um, Mr. Leesman and I are, or Mr. Leesman has, for, for the most part, developed his website. So uh, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone what that is? Yeah, man. So uh, MrLeesman.com. Um, it's M-R-L-E-I. S T M A N. Uh, we're gonna put the links all over. We're gonna put it on our social. We'll put it on the the link in this uh, in this website in this uh, podcast episode. Um, but so I've developed this website to basically be all the stuff I teach during class. Um, it's going to be everything on this website. So right now the three classes I primarily teach are U.S. history, government, and economics. So I have the curriculum for all three of those that are going up. Gov and Eco are pretty much all done and squared away, and they look really nice. Uh, I'm still working on U.S. history because there's just, you know, so much things to talk about, so many things to talk about. Um, but it's continually updating, so keep an eye out for that. That is MrLeesman.com. Yeah, and mine, it's as of right this second, it's not live just yet. I still have to square Well, by the time this away. comes out and by the time school starts and stuff like that, it should be live, I'm Oh, hoping. well, yeah. Well, it'll be live by the time school starts. Uh, there's yeah. just some things that I have to get situated. But Yeah, as the um, day of this is like being recorded, it's not ready. Right, right. And my website will be um, kingofhistory.com. Mm-hmm. So king, like my last name of history.com uh, and basically same explanation as uh, Mr. Leesman it's the stuff that I teach through the year it's ever changing mm-hmm. uh, feel free to use this stuff uh, if you're a new teacher or you know if even if you're a seasoned vet and you want to change things up uh, if you're a student looking for some additional uh, resources I have links to websites YouTube channels obviously this podcast um, you know yeah. feel free to, to check it's it also out. good for former students that like you know because you I, we hope you remember the stuff we teach but like we know that you're not gonna always remember and I've had multiple students um, it's, it's more with economic stuff that they for always sure. ask me things after they graduate. And they'll, like, message me on various social media and, like, ask me. I've had kids ask about, like, what's a good app for stocks? Uh, what's a good, like, questions about credit and credit cards? I've gotten, like, tons of messages. And that was actually the reason why I started this website. Because not that I don't like hearing from former students. But, like, you know, I know a lot of kids don't ask these questions because they're embarrassed. Right, or they're nervous. So, like, which I totally get. Like, if I had to go back to one of my teachers and be like, hey, I forgot like what you taught me like well so, yeah i mean I don't, we've all we've all done it right so like if you're too if you're not comfortable straight out asking me i made this spot that you can go and find everything yeah you're just being more accessible the buzzword for the day there, yeah <laughs> uh but again guys social media it's founding underscore podthers on instagram and at the podthers on twitter go like go follow go do the whole bit um and then mrleesman.com and then kingofhistory.com uh go look at it and go yeah. learn yeah good stuff yeah man. But anyway uh so what are we talking about today mr leesman so we're going to talk about uh, a few things we're going to talk about uh what's called the era of good feelings we're going to talk about uh the monroe doctrine and john quincy adams um, because let's face it, the War of 1812 is over, and it was not kind to the Federalists. Yeah, so it's gonna, it's gonna, so their anti-war stance really hurt them, and it's really gonna shake up the political landscape of uh, the 
the nation of the United States. Yeah, I mean, it was a le- the last time a Federalist ran on a presidential election, in a presidential election, I'm sorry, was 1816, and he lost pretty bad. Um, just in case you're interested, his name was Rufus King. Yeah, not um, really doing my uh, my my last name any justice there, because no. all I do is win, 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 no matter what. This guy did not. No, uh, he scored a 34 electoral votes to James Monroe's 183. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Right. <laughs> it's not even close. Not even a little Whatever. bit. Whatever. You know, that's in the business. It. That's in the business. What we in the business call an oof. Yeah. That's. Uh, well, let's move past it, right? right. So. 1817 to 1825, a new dawn came about in America. Ah. Yeah. Uh, so this was actually known as the era of good feeling or feelings. Uh-huh. Uh, it was really because the Democratic Republicans dominated U.S. politics. So they were definitely feeling pretty good. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, there was a division within the party because, I mean, at the end of the day, they were the only horse in town. So Federalists had to, like, jump ship and become Democratic Republicans. And, and just because the party died didn't mean that its followers did. So they definitely were still right. in, out and about. Well, they had to do what any – politician had to do and adapt to their surroundings yeah, adapt and, and, and blend in somewhere right so yeah uh you, you'll see like smaller uh political parties that weren't that big at, at one point start yeah. to just come out of nowhere which we'll mm-hmm. talk about some uh eventually but um so um so like you said the uh, democratic republicans had to take on some of the federalist policies as they started coming into their their political party, uh, yeah. including an idea of a national bank. Yeah, I mean, so the second national, ba- second bank of the United States uh, was created and put back in Philadelphia down the block from the first one. Right. So, right, th- these were like issued through charters and stuff, and they had yeah. to be re-upped, re-signed, or completely ignored at one point. We'll yeah. talk about yeah. the national bank um, and Later. a little bit more when we talk about Andrew Jackson, because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, um, oh, that's, yeah, that's a big thing. Oh, um, yeah. but. Uh, Mr. Leesman, anything grind your gears? Yeah, you know, the fact that they had to make a second building for the Bank of the United, second Bank of the United States. Like, they have the first Bank of the United States, it had its own building, that thing went away. So they're like, hey, let's make a second Bank of the United States. And so they built a new building. Who's the first one? It's a good old waste of American tax dollars, right? Woo, buddy! I mean, like, I mean, because I went to Philly a few years back, and like, you see, and they're literally, I'm in walking distance of each other and i was like well, that's just a waste of everything <laughs> like, yeah well right anyway. exactly because at the the point of a bank is to like make money and save money and you think about it they right. literally spent money to or anyway anyway but yeah. if, you, if you did the math this era lasted roughly less than 10 years <laughs> right. uh, so shows that in the u.s we can never have nice things nope yeah, an era of peace and prosperity of the era of good feelings, and it lasted, like, as long as the Beatles did. Like, you know, it's just like, come on, like, 10 years couldn't even last that long? Can't even right. last that Because if anyone's going to ruin an American party, it's the it, Americans, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, whatever. Which, uh, this, so, is, this is some good uh, foreshadowing for a civil war coming about, right? So ooh. anyway, this is all ended with the election <laughs> of 1824, which... Eight, I stumbled 18, on that. 1824. 1824. That's 1824, uh, which we'll get into a little bit later. Like I said, we will revisit all of that later. Yeah. So uh, um, we, I remember last episode, Mr. King, we were talking about Napoleon a little bit, right? Yeah. I mean, his name's come up quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, he's gone now. I mean, and for reals this time. Uh, yeah. And so when this happened, um, they wanted to make – the rest of Europe wanted to make sure that they had a firm control on their colonies. Of course. 
except the opposite happened. Uh, yeah. So many countries in South and Central America began achieving independence uh, from their colonial overlords. Yeah. Well, this a lot of this has to do – well, before you say that, but mm -hmm. the reason why is because uh, colonies in the New Worlds, right, mm -hmm. they're, they're – "Quote unquote owners, their, mm -hmm. their mother countries were at war with each other. So, and at this, like right before this, you have uh, countries like America, France, mm -hmm. also engaging in revolutionary activity. That's going to spread, right? Oh yeah. So they're going to take this moment of weakness, or maybe not weakness, but like th these European powers are super focused in, in Europe right now. They they really yeah. aren't looking at what's going on in the new world. No. So they're going to take this opportunity, right? Right. The Irish did it in World War One. Right. Exactly. Um, so countries of Peru, Colombia, Mexico, Chile, and Argentina had been freed. They they freed themselves from uh, imperialism. Um, and then out of nowhere, like almost from the clouds, Russia decided they wanted to get into the imperialism game. Yeah. A um, little right. bit too late, if you ask me, like decades too late. But you know, that's neither here nor there. I mean. Yeah. Also, shout out to the, the Haitian Revolution. Uh, but yes. That was a little bit before that. Very, but... uh, very like overlooked, but hella powerful. Oh, yeah, very, very important. I mean, Toussaint yeah. Louverture, I don't speak French, but however you say it properly, but Toussaint Louverture, very influential uh, figure, especially in Super. global history. You'll, mm -hmm. you'll need to know his name. Yes, you uh, But anyway, we'll let uh, Mr. Sue talk about that. But yeah. anyway, uh, like you said, we'll talk a little bit more about the Russians later. But James Monroe mm -hmm. and his Secretary of State, John Quincy Adams, took this time to act. Oh, and yeah. They wanted to limit future colonization. Because like you said, everything's starting to settle out a little bit in Europe, so Europeans are like, let's get back to this imperialization, colonization game that we've been going. So And and the US is starting to get a little big for their britches. Like they're like getting that they have that, that chutzpah that you've got at, at the end of the war of eighteen twelve. They're we're really feeling ourselves on the yeah. world scene. Can't we're touch us. Right. Like we don't yeah, want yeah. Yeah, anything they, to do with it. It's like literally James Monroe right now just literally yells over the ocean and go, you don't want to catch this smoke? Like, yeah. like literally screaming at them. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, like John his, Quincy his Adams. His ghostwriter is off on the side like, oh, ah. You know, yeah, like who's John Quincy Adams? I mean, okay. so John Quincy Adams is a brilliant man, and we're going to talk about him later. Um, and he was a skilled diplomat, and he was like, you know what? I know how to word this. Uh, and so he sat down and drafted the message for Monroe to give, and it's known as the Monroe Doctrine. Yeah, very, like, cannot, I, I cannot stress this enough. The Monroe Doctrine is one of the most important documents in American history. Like, post-revolution, yes. the, it's the Ever. most important. Like, yeah. of all time, because it essentially sets up our foreign policy for, like, forever over a hundred years like yeah. and, and really it's it it is our foreign policy until the roosevelt corollary which mm -hmm. is 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 an extension of the monroe doctrine so it's like yeah. monroe doctrine it's the roosevelt Fuck. it's the roosevelt i think the official name is like the roosevelt corollary of the monroe doctrine like yeah, yeah. but well corollary just means an addition yeah correlation so, but yeah so but that's what i'm saying like it's like it literally adds to the monroe doctrine so like even in like yeah. the early 1900s we're still dusting off the document and being like what do we got here what can well I you know what instead of getting all hot and heavy about what it is we should probably explain what it does oh, right yeah so it says that the old world which is the western hemisphere and the mm -hmm. new world which is the eastern hemisphere are vastly different and should flip technically it's flipped no oh. I'm pretty sure. We're oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Old world is yeah. Okay. Right. Do you want me to go back? Do you yeah, want me to let's, cut this let's, out. Yeah, 
Okay. Right, so it says that the old world and the new world are vastly different and should stay that way, right? Right. The U.S. would not interfere with the political affairs of Europe or with existing European colonies in the Western Hemisphere. That's right. Uh, Yeah, but if Europe tried to exert its influence in the Western Hemisphere, it would be seen as a threat to U.S. national security. So this is what I, I usually scream this in my classrooms. Um, catching a lot of people off guard. I'm not going to yeah. scream it into the microphone now, but what I usually say loudly. is, yeah, do not interfere in the Western Hemisphere. This Ooh, is basically like the, this is a call out to Europe saying, do not come over here. This is yeah. our stuff and we will hand, we'll handle it. Get off the- my lawn! Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. No, that's, a sec- uh, that's exactly and what And this essentially allows the United States to mingle with a lot of things that people find questionable but oh yeah it, i mean it closes that's, that's one America, door right? and it closes the door for us to be involved in europe but it opens up the door to like mess with our entire side of the world right yeah so right do not interfere in the western hemisphere the united states and north well north and south america are over in the western hemisphere the united yeah. states is saying we are the superpower of, of the time. Western Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. You guys had your fun in the Eastern Hemisphere with, you know, all of the, the colonies world, that you had, like, literally, yeah. right? You had your chance in the Western Hemisphere, and you lost it, because here right. we are. Right. Get um, out. That's yeah. it. So, like, the strongest part is that you're not allowed to create any new colonies. That's like the right. like that meat and potatoes. Uh, and keep in mind, when all of this is going down, we're a teeny tiny player on the world stage. Like, we just developed into a world power, and, like, we're still, like, it's we barely hold our own against the British. Like, we hold our own, but, like, by the skin of our teeth. Yeah. So we're not going to be able to really back up our own words. Yeah, so, right, a lot of people... So what did Europe think, right? They kind of laughed and ignored it. Yeah. So... Yeah, so, like, at the end of the day, though, like, what you need to remember is the U.S. told Europe to stay on their side of the world, stay up here, and that's essentially, like, what you need to know is, like, stay out of our hemisphere and do not interfere with our hemisphere. Um, And that it's our, it is basically our foreign policy until the Roosevelt Corollary slash World War I, World War II. Right. Yeah. And that's right. Exactly. But we'll, we'll talk about that for sure. Um, 100%. Anyway. uh, Yeah. I I mean, that's, that is so important. You need to know about the modern doctrine. It is so important. The one of the most important pieces of U.S. foreign policy, whether you're a student or not, like I don't care if you're 47 years old, like you need to know what the Monroe Doctrine is, because this is the the basis of our foreign policy. So if you're ever wondering, if you ever find yourself wondering why things are the way that they are, it's because of things like this. Think about this basically like. So when I have students and they're like, why should I care? And I was and I usually pose a question to them like, do you care about what's going on in this part of the world or what you know what's going on over here and if they say yes then i i I always have to respond well well, then you need to you can't skip to chapter four and then get aggravated that you don't know what's going on because you didn't start in chapter one or the or the pref the the preface you know like you gotta you gotta read the whole story so right and i mean like it, it, this is like the foundation of like, especially we're going to talk about like Spanish American War later on. Like, oh, for sure. You know, this is the foundation of all of that. Yeah, this is the beginning of American imperialism. Yes. Not just, I mean, 
the era of good feeling, American imperialism, manifest destiny, this all, which we'll talk about later, this all comes back to us, the era of good feeling, us thinking that we are untouchable, unstoppable mm-hmm. force, and that God is on our side and we can do what we want. Yeah. That's the thought. That's the yeah. that's the ideology. The American that's, exceptionalism. All right. Yeah, exactly. We can do it, and what are you going to do to stop us? Exactly. Um, anywho, so that leads into so like that's all in part of James Monroe's uh, two terms in office. Right. He, he sang. He sang. Our, he sang his song. But time for him to go. Um, so actually, so he did his first term rant unopposed. Like we're talking era of good feelings. He just no one wanted to like. You were like, you know what? Good enough. Just give him a second you know, term. And obviously, I don't know because I wasn't there. But I bet he sat there the entire time with the <laughs> biggest poop eating smile on his face. Oh just like, yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah you know like yeah and so he would actually be the last founding father to serve as president and that's a fun fact it is uh so quick side story about him so he was on the mission with washington to attack the hessians in trenton so you know like the crossing the delaware river picture mm-hmm. he's in it he's like yeah, I, he's think, I think he's one of the guys like with the oars like trying mm-hmm. to like fight the ice um also and this is a crazy story and i love it I don't. I love it because I find it interesting. It sucks that it had to happen though. But so there's that famous. So if you you Google right now, George Washington like capturing the Hessians, you're gonna find a picture. It's like him on horseback in the middle. Um, yeah, there's a dude in that picture looking not too hot. Right. So Mon- that's, it was James Monroe. That's James Monroe. He it says so he was actually severely injured in the attack and he suffered a severed artery and almost died. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a science guy or a doctor no. at all. This is not medical advice, but definitely want to keep your arteries intact because exactly. those are important. So if you look, if you're looking so at So I've picture, heard. So I've right. heard. So where is Madison in this picture dying? Um, no, Monroe. So, uh, wait, man, wait. Madison. James Monroe. Yeah. Sorry, if I screwed that up, I'm sorry. Where yeah. is James Monroe in this picture trying not to die? If you look at Washington... I believe look to his bottom left. You're gonna see like two guys, and one of them looks like he's in the middle of dying. That's James Monroe. That's <laughs> yeah, James Monroe. Like he's literally um, sitting there. Like we may have <laughs> accidentally said James Madison at one point. We don't mean that. We mean James Monroe. You know why I screwed that up? Because I wrote James Madison in the. Ah, okay, that's okay. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> so Monroe leaves at the end of his second term. That was just that quick fun story. Um. He leaves at the end of his second term, and so the ele- election of 1824 is up for anybody's to win. Bing, um, bang, boom. Right. You have John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson, William Crawford, Henry Clay. These all, are all heavy hitters. Right. I mean, people like Jefferson. I mean, so there's a lot of, like, I've been doing the notes, uh, like, research on this stuff. In the notes, I found a lot of, like, conflicting stuff. Like, at one point earlier in, like, when he was a senator— Jefferson Thomas Jefferson actually was a big fan uh had said several glowing comments of Andrew Jackson. But long story short, it turns out really like within the establishment of politics, William Crawford was one of the top guys that people wanted. Hmm. So that's that's a side note. Anyway, John Quincy Adams sounds familiar because he's the son of John Adams. Yeah, I mean right. He was a, yeah, son of a so, founding father. Right. So um <laughs> I don't – yeah. I mean try not looking up that family tree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> quite a lot of crossing roots. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. that's all There's it. several entanglements. Yeah. Um, oh. 
Oh, buddy. So, long story short, he was a brilliant man, well-respected diplomat. I think he was, like, the United States diplomat to Russia for a while um, and Britain. Um, he was a secretary of state at this point when he was running for office, and he was just one of those guys that was too smart for his own good. Yeah. Um, Andrew Jackson also ran in this election. Like we said, he was a war hero from the Battle of New Orleans, uh, mm -hmm. but he receives 99 electoral votes. Right. JQA, or John Quincy Adams, gets 84 Bill Crawford gets 41, and Henry Clay gets 37. Um, nobody That's not gets, enough. No, it's right. not. Nobody gets enough to get the majority. Um, and so, so they have before, to They have to literally fist fight. In, no, I'm joking. So, <laughs> Steel uh, cage match. That's, that's right. Foreman enter, one leaves. Right. There's like a key on the top. Like you have to climb a, a ladder. That's what the ladder match. So anyway. Bone saws ready. Yeah. You're going no place. <laughs> right. So therefore, yes. uh, so when this happens, it has to go to the house. Right. Yeah. So it goes to the house and now they they basically have to duke it out and i think it's like each state gets like a single vote or something like that it's like something yeah. like along those lines uh anywho uh here's where things gets hella tricky like and i said at this at the beginning of american like politics is so funny it yeah, is it's it's like soap opera like like level drama so like one of the people running for president henry clay is the speaker of the house right that's an important job in the house <laughs> it is like the most he's like I, the presidential succession list hasn't been established yet but like basically it goes like president vice president speaker of the house like right. like the speaker of the house trumps his entire the entire cabinet right yeah. so yeah so the speaker of the house is has to cast a vote in his own election um and now, conflict of interest? Right. So during the election, Clay leveled some heavy attacks against Jackson. And now instead of helping him become president, uh, Clay struck a deal to keep Jackson out of the White House. Yeah, this is a really funny uh, – we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. But yeah. uh, he would help secure the White House for John Quincy Adams, and in exchange, Clay would become the Secretary of State. Right. Ooh, that's some Ugh. shady – Oh Same yeah, that's there. that's collusion. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so is, Adams yeah. would go on to win the election, and Jackson and his supporters would deem this to be a corrupt bargain. Very, yeah. it, Mr. So, Leesman, you you bolded this in the notes, but it it should be boldened. I don't even know if it's a proper term, but that should be uh, bold in your brain. Corrupt yeah. bargain is very important. So the, right. the idea that Clay, uh, the Adams, the like. Yeah, like John Quincy Adams, Henry Clay worked together to keep Andrew Jackson out of office. Yeah. Is very important. Corrupt bargain. Yes. Um, it, it basically symbolized the corrupt system where the elite insiders would push their own interests within the government while uh, suppressing the will of the people. Now, yeah. here's a crate. Here's something that we want to establish. So the fact that Clay, Clay was not going to win the election by any stretch of the imagination. He came in fourth. Like, mm -hmm. it, it's one of those deals that, like, he became he accepted the job for secretary of state because up until this point secretary of state was like the stepping stone to the presidency right you know it worked for pretty it worked for it worked for jefferson it worked for um madison monroe like it, uh john quincy adams like so many of our people so many of our presidents at this point served as secretary of state in order to get that much needed like foreign policy experience yeah so this was a great uh, tactic for yeah. Henry Clay. Now, oh, yeah. if you look at a list, you'll notice that someone's name is missing from the presidency list. Oh, it's Henry Clay. It's Henry Clay, <laughs> yeah. So he actually yeah. never goes on to become president, but he, his, we are not done talking about him. He is no. 
the quite the established politician, and we will talk about him a lot. Especially yes. once we get closer to the Civil War. He is known as the Great Compromiser. Yes. And um, here's something I want to talk really quick about Henry Clay because, like, it always astonished me. Like, for some reason, like, I was always enamored by the idea of Henry Clay. It was just because I think it was, like, the idea that he, like, in history class, you talk about him in American history enough that it's like, this guy should have been president. Like, yeah. And, like, and let me tell the, you. A yeah. beautiful man. No, I'm just kidding. He looks like he's <laughs> scared all the time. I don't know yeah. what's going on. But yeah. But I yeah, he's especially – I mean it, I didn't really talk about him much when I first started teaching. But as obviously I became more and more seasoned, mm-hmm. I uh, I have been mentioning him a lot. Him and Daniel Webster are like two names that are yeah. like gigantic and, Ameri- and synonymous with American politics. That is like they keep coming around to your like – when you're sitting there thinking you're like, oh, this guy has got to become president. I think it's sure. because we're, we're turning into those – everyone has that social studies teacher where like – they're they're always bringing in things like like we're not supposed to say this but we're essentially told to teach to the test right even though we're not supposed to we're heavily implied to yeah right um and like their names won't really come up that much on the on the exams and stuff but like they are just such interesting individuals that like so we're becoming those social studies teachers that like we're because we've been teaching for a little bit now like we're starting to learn a lot and we're just like you know what you guys will like this and like 15 year olds are like yeah this is really cool (laughs) right right like and i do this not just in class i do i feel like you and i do this you'll be talking to your wife like sitting at the kitchen table like yeah anyway so i I, i'm so so, over there like i do this really weird thing so like when we come, when my wife comes home from work, uh, you know, usually like because I'm home first, like I'll make dinner. I'm the nice little house husband. Um, I, I love cooking. So do I. You should fo- follow my Instagram. I've been posting lots of meals. You know, I think I might do do that too, just because like Tiffany told some... me. I think she may have been making fun of me, but she told me to start an Instagram. For my <laughs> no, she's definitely probably making fun of me. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. You know what? Hey, why not? But hey, I would follow. Um, right. I'll get one follower. I think I'm making. I'm think I'm making like uh, like a Hello Fresh burger meal tonight. I'll send you a picture. Oh, when I'm done. So good. No free ads, but no. Yeah. So long story short, like I'll sit here and be like, we'll be sitting there watching TV while we're eating dinner. It's usually like the news, and then like by the time we're eating, Jeopardy comes on, and I'm just like one of those guys. I sit there and I. I can I play Jeopardy like I answer the questions along with it and I like try I, like see how much money I would like win if I was actually there mm-hmm. and long story short like sometimes like a question like this will be like something Henry Clay and I'll just be sitting there and I'll get it right and like my the missus will she'll literally just be like wait how the hell do you know that I'm like oh man it like don't, Jeopardy does teams don't don't they do teams sometimes no that's um Wheel oh Wheel of Fortune. Fortune right which is on before Jeopardy but uh yeah. If if I could do a team with either you or Tiffany's grandfather, unstoppable. I, Ken, I Ken Jennings, this is a formal call out. Listen, at the Get end of the day, I'm, together. T- I'm telling you right now, you and I would be unstoppable. You're going down, Ken Jennings. Like like literally, I I and that other guy, I forget his last name, but James James Holtower. Yeah, you're going down. Like. <laughs> Obviously, they listen to the podcast. I would just need somebody to, like, keep help keep a running tab of, like, how much money we have. Like, that's like – because I'd be like, all right, and, like, hit the button. I'd be like, 
got this. You know um, what though? My my biggest my my Achilles uh my Achilles in in Jeopardy is always when they get to like literacy or something like I when they do the literary stuff and they start yeah. doing like the oh yeah no if we could do like even a like a like three people like it should just be like you me and a and a backer yeah we would sell the light it would but be amazing let's let's anyway. get back to it yeah anyway, so anyway play. yeah corrupt bargain uh basically what happens is uh at, just to recap really quick, because we just went on this gigantic tangent. Long story short, Adams and Henry Clay collude together, take the election, Adams becomes president. Jackson, on the other hand, is fuming because he yeah. technically won. Like, he got yeah. the most votes. Right. Um, and so he he would be stewing immediately, and Adams would enter the presidency with a large share of Americans pissed at him, calling him an illegitimate president. Well, yeah, because most people wanted Jackson to become president in the first place. So at exactly. the end of it, they're, they're like, what? You know, like, yeah. yeah. I thought we became president. Like, right. yeah. Uh, and so essentially, Jackson was like, I'll see you in 1828. Like, I'll, yeah. see, I'll see you the next time around, and starts his campaign early. Yeah. Uh, right. So let's talk a little bit about John Quincy Adams. Like, I, I know you like to talk a little bit about it. Because I read a book about him, and, like, it was one of those that it read like a novel, and it was just so fantastic when you learn about him. Oh, man. The guy he was. Especially, I'm going to sound like our grandparents or our parents right now, but, like, I feel like a lot of kids these days really underestimate the power of a book. Bro, and I... It, it, the main, it's not even the kids. It's really not. It's everyone. the fact that... Well, yeah, I mean, me too, because I play video games and stuff, but, like... Yeah. It's there are like there are things that are way more like captivating nowadays. Yeah, like back in the day, all they had was was books or watching like Vietnam on, on the TV. Yeah. you know, like so like yeah, that was it. You know, so yeah. like I understand, but like really, like once you once you get a little older, I I encourage you to you have it's not like you're in English class and you have to read from the list that the English teacher gives you. You know, like. I mean, and, but side note, I've read some pretty good books in high school, but yeah. uh, you have the opportunity to go to like your local library or go to literally Amazon, like, type in a Download topic. it. Yeah. yeah Hell, borrow it from the internet. Even if you want like Audible and get the audio book. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, when you sign up for Audible, no free ads, but when you sign up for Audible, you get a, a free trial and I think they give you a credit. You might be able to download a book for free Ooh, and then I'm cancel gonna... your subscription. Well, yeah. I may um, or may not have done that. Anyway, I, yeah. <laughs> John yeah, Quincy Adams. So, yeah. So, he was a smart, successful man, son of a president, uh, son of a founding father. But when it came to his administration, he had very little success. Yeah. Um, people wanted uh, – the people that wanted Jackson were extremely hostile to him and did everything he could they could to stop him from getting anything done. Huh. I don't know. I feel like that sounds familiar. Yeah. Well, That's, you know, like the last 12 years of American politics. Yeah, it's great. I mean – why do anything when you don't have to do anything? Right? Exactly. Um, things what, yeah, I, you know, no, I what were we going to say? It. No, go, go, go. No, 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 I, I can't. Well, it's kind of like, really quick, it's kind of like how they're arguing right now about like the next stimulus package and like yeah. people, like the $600 unemployment thing. Obviously, yeah. like a lot of people are arguing over it, but they're like, I don't know if we'll get it done by the end of July. Hey, why? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what's stopping People you? are going to like starve. But anyway. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah. So, um, things that Adams wanted to put money into were like a national program that would create roads and canals and even a national university. You know, uh, things we needed. Like, yeah. 
Uh, I mean, these are great things. A lot of presidents uh, ride th those like public works yeah. to success, like literally. Yeah. I mean, there are no roads at this point. There isn't like highway systems. There's no major roads. Yeah, the roads at this point today. are like like seven horses have gone down the same path. So now there's not grass there, and that's yeah. All. That's exact. That's one hundred percent what we mean. But like, we want actual like flattened like yeah, like some sort of like possible flattened earth road. Uh, dirt road or some, yeah. maybe cobblestone that's how expensive but you know whatever something yeah, like that. something uh, um yeah. and the only thing he really got was the erie canal i mean, I mean big in its yeah. own right we're not diminishing the importance of the erie canal but like he wanted so much done and got like one canal yeah and the erie canal is important because it links the great lakes with the hudson river uh and the east coast so now right. and eventually it opens up trade from the east coast to the middle of the united states yeah. you have to remember there's a huge mountain range that runs down it's the basically spine of the east coast you have mm -hmm. the appalachian mountains yeah. uh and it prevents a lot of trade from going back and forth so the fact that we can go through new york harbor up into the great lakes through the erie canal and then essentially down the mississippi river after like obviously we have to we have to mm -hmm. put it like on some sort of transportation from there but it opens up so much more trade and so but much but you more even have like stuff from like areas of ohio you know you run up a lake and then you catch like from buffalo you go like catch the erie canal and then like ride that down to new york city yeah i feel like ohio gets a lot of like heat you know like yeah. we make i mean we even we've even made fun of ohio but then okay. we, it's you all cannot ohio. yeah it's it always, it has, always been. has been. <laughs> right. uh, but, you know, you can't – it actually is an important state. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, anywho. Uh, <laughs> or, or, was I, or was I told to say that? I don't know. We'll uh, see. But anyway, big, big uh, much like his father, uh, Adams was on – John Quincy Adams was unable to win a second term. And a lot yeah. of it had to do with the political smearing that uh, Jackson was doing. Yeah. So, I mean – Adams wasn't done here though, so like he didn't get that. He was one at this point. We've had very few presidents. Him and his father were the only two that couldn't get a second term. Yes. That's it. Like that. Side note: um, John Quincy Adams was not a Federalist, so no. his father was the last Federalist. And when his son John Quincy Adams doesn't even run on that ticket, it it that is it. Federalists are done for sure. Yeah, like we're yeah. not going to talk about it. Right. Um, but he's not – just because he lost the presidency doesn't mean he's done. He went back home for a while and then he actually ran uh, – he went back to Massachusetts for a while, uh, was a lawyer, and then he ran for the House of Representatives. And not only would he win, he'd serve out the rest of his life as a congressman. Yeah. I mean, sure, he's not the president, he, but that's also very important. he actually suffered a stroke in the House. Like I think like he literally was like – Wow, got a hell of a headache, and then like went home and died. Yeah, that's hell of a headache, right? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah, he's like, my head is killing me right now, and yeah. everyone's like, well, the, the, the later on, um, everyone's like, well, also yes, but uh, it's, okay. Here we go. Sorry, not to cut you off on Jan on February twenty first. So first off, he says here in. In 1846, he suffered a uh, stroke that left him partially paralyzed. A few months rest, he made a full recovery and resumed his duties in Congress. When he entered the House, everyone stood up and applauded in, in 1848. On February 13th, 1848, this is, I guess, his first day back, everyone stood up and applauded. February 21st, 1848, the House of Representatives was discussing the matter of honoring U.S. Army officer who served in the Mexican-American War. Adams had been a vehement critic of the war, and congressmen rose up to say aye in favor of the measure. Instead, uh, and as congressman, he rose up and 
to say aye in favor of the measure, but instead he yelled no. He rose to answer a question uh, put forth and immediately collapsed, suffering a cerebral hemorrhage. Oh, my God. Two days later, he died. Oh, wow. Like, literally, like, died at work. <laughs> like, uh, like he, you hate to he, hear it. He literally gave his life to public service. Yeah. Um, but I guess let's wrap it up, right? So I think right. it's safe to say that these were the beginning, or these were the beginnings of the formative years of the United yeah. States, and the Federalists died out, and the Democratic Republicans take over or took over. Right. And when we say formative years, like I think like this is like your elementary school years, like you're still learning, you're figuring your way, you're figuring things out. Um, and then I would liken the Civil War to like the angsty, rebellious teen years, which is like you guys just don't understand me. Right. Well, we're like in a whole other chapter now, you know. Yeah. So like you have the pre-revolution, you have revolution, post-revolution, constitutional America, mm-hmm. and now we're moving into like like some some really interesting and new American history. Right. I mean, the old guard, uh, like the the people who started the government are dying out. Yeah, they're not around anymore. So now... Or they're too old to do anything. Exactly. So, like, by the... While all of this is going on, like, so this is... We're talking he... uh, The election of 1824, like, two years later, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson die. Like, in between this and in between, like, the election of 1828, we lose two of the most influential founding fathers. Yeah. So, I mean, you're seeing the old guard, like the, the, the founding fathers die out, and now it's everybody that watched the government cr- get created. Are yeah, it's kind of like, power. it's kind of like, you, you, all right, you're on your own, kid. You know, like you got to oh, do it yeah. yourself. Yeah. Um, so. This was the beginning of what would the founding fathers do? Exactly. You know? But anyway, um, we're, in, we're in a period of peace. We're not fighting anyone. Well, probably with Native Americans, so. At I, this mean, point. But yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, definitely. Well, yeah, but at least we're not fighting the Europeans. So that's yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. So um, Monroe yeah. and John Quincy Adams essentially take the first steps of putting the U.S. on the world stage with the Monroe Doctrine. Again, cannot underestimate the power of the Monroe Doctrine. Right. Basically saying the U.S. would stay out of European affairs as long as they stayed out of ours. Do like not interfere f- in the Western Hemisphere. Exactly. You stay there. We'll stay here. We'll call it a day. Uh-huh. Um, did we have the, the might to back this up? Nope. Nope, but it'd be the basis of our foreign policy for over 100 years, so that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, John Quincy Adams, huge success, only seemed to fail the presidency. That's like the Adams credo. Like, we can do whatever we want, just not the president. Like, right. Um, and so he was an international darling, being diplomat, secretary of state. Much of his failure was that he was too smart for the job. He felt his work and his intellect should speak for itself and that he shouldn't be subjected to a popularity contest. Um, and he Which obviously, re- when it comes down to a popularity contest, is he, your downfall. The popular, right. the popular. Uh, and now we have a guy like Andrew Jackson lurking in the shadows, and now he's about to step into the light. Yeah. Uh, well, well, we'll have to talk a little bit more. So we're gonna we're actually gonna take a break from talking about like American politics. And our next episode, we're gonna talk about territorial expansion so manifest destiny that just so happens to be my favorite topic in american history i do like it too uh it's i i mean yeah again this is like uh, this is we are turning the page it is a new chapter and a lot of things are going to be like set in stone so uh in american history so yeah that's basically it for uh eric good feeling monroe doctrine john quincy adams uh, yeah. Peace out.
still don't know what I was waiting for And my time was running wild A million dead-end streets And every time I thought I got it made It seemed the taste was not so sweet So I turned myself to face me But I've never caught a glimpse How the others must see the faker I'm much too fast to take that test Ch-ch-ch-changes Turn and face the strain Ch-ch-changes Don't wanna be a richer man You too.